All right. Hey there. Welcome to the Felt Recall Podcast. This is episode number 160. 160. You know, Hulon, first of all, thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks for having me. I know it's a strain for you to take the five-minute jaunt across town. Yep. And drive your $100,000 truck over to my house. But I make time for it. But you do it anyway. Yep. Because you care. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, even numbers. Is it, Hey, real quick. Mm-hmm. Is there like... Is there like 90 grand in the bed of my truck and I don't know about it? Yes. Okay. Can, can we pause this? Sure. I got to go outside real quick. Are you saying that's not a $100,000 truck? That is, well, yeah, I'm definitely saying it's not a $100,000 well, truck. Well, then would you do me a solid? Would you back it straight in to that $20,000 truck that constantly blocks my yes. driveway? Yeah. My neighbor, I know a lot of people. I'll tell the uh, cops he jumped out. Uh, <laughs> actually funny enough I, I know a lot of people struggle with the problem the gripe about and a lot of people have it a lot worse than i do so forgive me but uh i can't stand the fact that my neighbor parks their truck right in front of my driveway like they just they impede the driveway every time so you can't do that thing where you like to swing into your driveway you kind of have to like eek into my driveway and your truck is wider than mine mm-hmm but believe it or it not, it is a little difficult. My neighbor, Caddy Corner, backed into a car that was parked that way recently, and the police came out and were like, Well, good luck to you both because the car is parked illegally. Yep. Has to be parked facing the right direction of the road and all that. And uh, if they have access to the driveway, they're supposed to use it. So there's, there's a lot less sympathy there in the eyes of the law. And uh, so I've been thinking about it lately. Like, just I had the beep. same thing happen uh, uh, where we used to live. Uh, we had neighbors across the street, and they insisted on parking on the street, even though they had a perfectly good driveway that could fit both their vehicles. Yeah, They always had at least one on the street. And I came home from work one day, and there was all these people standing out in the road. And then I see the cops show up, and I'm like, okay, what's going on out here? So I go out and take a look, and I realize that there's a mail truck, and then his car, uh, which was like a Volkswagen. Right. Yeah, nice Volkswagen. And... It's all smashed up on one side and not a lot of damage to the mail carrier vehicle, but he got him and it, it took a chunk out of the old V-dub. And I was kind of like, you know, I told my wife, like, I mean, hard to feel bad. Huh? Serves him right. I mean, I don't know why he insists on parking in the road all the time. It's a narrow road. It's on a hill and a curve. It's not a good idea. And it. so a couple weeks after that, Shortly before we moved away from there, uh, his wife, who would park her brand new Infinity on the street every night, uh, some somebody uh, was drunk in a white full size pickup truck. Yikes! Slammed into that thing in the middle of the night. Yikes! Yep. Yeah. It, it didn't wake anybody up apparently, so we got woken up the next morning to her knocking on the door, wanting to know if our our camera system picked up any of the uh, accident which it did not of course not so <laughs> sucks for her I'd be like nope our cameras don't reach that far I would put them in your driveway and I'll angle one towards your driveway there you go uh, yeah I hate that it, it's like a character flaw to me when people choose to park in the street when they have a driveway it's a further walk yeah and what kind of poor man's logic is this where I'll take 
more steps because, you know, I didn't have to turn left into my driveway. Well, just an observation. This guy across the street from you, mm-hmm. he's parked facing the back of the cul-de-sac. Yeah. So it seems to me like that would be more effort when it's time to leave. Like he has now he has to go up up, up the street, hit the cul-de-sac, pop a Yui, and come back down. And on an incline. Right. Rather than in the flat driveway yep. that's right there. I really don't get it. I hate it. I hate it. I don't know what else to do about it. I mean, I, I don't even know why you would have to ask. It's hard to ask for such an obvious thing where you go, hey, here's an idea. Could you not block my driveway? Could you just move your truck so you're not blocking the driveway? Oh, it reminds me. Our neighbor's like three houses down once. I, I know I've told this story to you before. I had my middle son out somewhere with me. I don't remember where. Maybe drum lessons or something. Because <clears throat> we were coming home. It's still slightly daylight outside. And these fools were having furniture delivered. And they had the furniture delivery truck parked in one lane of our road. And they had their personal vehicle parked in the other. And they were standing in their grass talking to the delivery guys. Makes, just chatting it up. Makes perfect sense. So we pull up, and our neighbor next door to us is already waiting behind their personal vehicle to go. And they're out there, ha, ha, ha. And they look at us, and then I can hear the lady. My windows are cracked. I hear the lady go, well, would y'all like some water? And they go, sure, we'd take some water. And she walks into the house and comes out, and I go, okay, they're going to get their water. They'll get in their truck and go. Nope. They crack the water bottles open. They all start talking. So I get out of my truck and I walk up their yard. And boy, when I say she was like hot that I was walking on her property, she was hot. And she goes, can we help you? I said, yes, you can. Is that your car right there? The black one? And she goes, yes. I said, can you move it so we can get home? You got a line of cars waiting now. She goes, (laughs) and the delivery guy goes, oh, my bad, man. I'll move the truck. I'll move the truck. I said, we'd appreciate that. And ever since then, I've just had it with those people. Like, that was all it took. And then, funny enough. I thought you were going to tell me you guys have been best of friends. Best of friends. What makes it worse is I found out, supposedly, I don't know, supposedly he's a pastor, and that's his wife. Mm. And that made me even more mad. Because to me, they have an obligation to be the best people on the block. Like, you can't say you're a pastor and a pastor's wife and be a couple of douche nuggets down there. Yeah, making everybody else's life hard. God bless. It made me so mad. So mad when I I was like, there's no way that's true. Oh, it's true. It's true. They're a preacher family. So, oh, my gosh. I hope it's not true. We've had to call the police on them. So, I hope it's not true. Anyway. Hey, remember when there was a a house for sale down the street from you and Mm -hmm. your wife was like, you guys should buy it and move Mm -hmm. in. Yeah, yeah. I hate your wife now, just so you know. <laughs> no, you'd have helped us, man. You'd have helped us. Oh, I, thought, I thought maybe she hated me first and yeah, was we, trying to punish me. We would form an HOA with one rule. You must park in your driveway. And, and it'd be free membership, and we'd have every hit. Because we're not technically in a neighborhood. We're on a double cul-de-sac, and that's it. We're not a part of anything. So we could literally just form our own HOA <laughs> with all the neighbors and just idea. go around and go, hey, uh, this is going to be the only rule. We're going to put it in the bylaws for perpetuity. The only rule that will ever be allowed to exist for the next thousand years is that you cannot park in the street and impede traffic. If your driveway is available, you must do it this way or you're out. Anyway, 
Uh, here's where I was going. That only where we got on all that. But uh, the point is, this is episode number one sixty, and I was thinking round numbers tend to make you think. I wonder if if this uh, symbolizes anything, right? Have we reached a milestone? And it didn't. But four episodes was this ago, like the wood anniversary or something. Well, if you think about it, four episodes ago, it would have been one fifty six, which is three straight years worth of episodes. All yep. right, and we didn't even stop to like say anything about it. So congrats to us. Yay. I can't believe we've remained cordial this long. I didn't say friends. Yeah. Calm down. Wipe your face. Start over. (laughs) I see where you're going. I just said cordial. Nobody's allowed to be Hulon's friend. He's better than everybody. But here's what... uh, true. I have a $100,000 truck. (laughs) You do. uh, You can't be friends with a guy that has to look down his nose to see you. Uh... (laughs) What what makes me laugh about this being 160 is had we been able to do this at 156, it would have been perfect because this week's entire episode, you're going to love it as much as I do, is dedicated to proving us right. Hmm. The entire episode. I thought that was the whole point of this show. Oh, no. Oh. Um, although, kind well, of, yes. I apparently have missed the mark. <laughs> You know how, well, look, it's not to say we don't know we're right. I guess that's what I'm saying. What you're saying is we always are right. Yes, that's true. And we know that every week when we come here. But have we? at least by the end. True. We say things, and then we say, here's a story that supports our opinion. But this week's episode is solely dedicated to proving how correct we've been over the last 52 episodes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Here's the things we've learned this week that are going to prove how right we've been. Number one, on record, the man himself will tell you, Fauci is an aspiring dictator. And we have audio of him saying such. We'll play that for you. Number two, this entire COVID madness is all about the money. And we have a story from one of the big pharma CEOs saying that the vaccines will never end. You're going to need a new vaccine every year, my friend. Every single year, you'll need his vaccine to make sure you're protected from whatever new variant of COVID there is. Money, money, money. And number three, and this is one we wish we didn't have to be right about, the vaccine will kill you, and big tech will erase the fact that the vaccine is what caused you to die. But first, let's talk about this week's charity of choice for episode number 160 of the Felt Recoil podcast. The charity is Pastor Artur Pulowski. You can go to Save Artur. That's Save, A-R-T-U-R dot com. Audio uh, from his original release back in May is to be played as soon as I can press the right button. Here we go. Here he is after he got released the first time. He's a Canadian pastor who, among other things, now his transgressions run long and large. It's hard to understand what type of person could support Pastor Art. He's been issued dozens of pandemic-related tickets. He refuses. Are you ready for this? Refuses to wear a mask while feeding the homeless. Damn it, Artur. Put your mask on. This is a travesty. It is unconscionable. He also, and this one, almost worse, if not worse, he doesn't uh, limit his church service to 15% of fire code as Canada demands. 
his home city there in Alberta. Hates him. Anyway, here he is after he was released from Canadian jail uh, back in May of this year. I would say, even though I grew up in Poland and I witnessed crazy stuff, I would say you're out of your mind. We will not repeat the same stupid mistakes like our forefathers did. But here we are today, we're facing serious, serious charges. And uh, I don't know how the story is going to end today. I know in the end we win, because truth wins always. The light always comes forth. But um, until then, I think, this is my hope. I hope that Canadians will wake up while they still can. They still can wake up. They still can say no, no to this craziness. But if they will not say no soon, that opportunity may pass. Pastor Artur, uh, saveartur.com. You can donate to his legal defense, courtesy of Rebel News. Rebel News is something you need to be following if you're not. It's a Canadian-based conservative outlet, uh, saveartur.com. Not only our charity of choice this week, but our first installment in what we will call the Canada's Garbage segment. I think we could do that every week. I like the sound of that. Another reason why Canada is garbage, because Canada... In fact, is garbage. It's garbage. Um, anyway, Pastor Artur was uh, arrested again recently after returning home from a speaking tour around America because they had all sorts of warrants out for him for not wearing his mask while he's feeding the homeless. Hmm. All right. Uh, okay, so let's talk a bit about why we're right and how good it feels to be right. And if you've ever listened and he thought, man, those guys are on to something, well, guess what? <laughs> You're right, too. You are right, too. Um, we should start a club. Okay. We'll call it the We're Right Club. We're right. Would it be better to be we're right or they're wrong? Hmm. We're right, they're wrong? I'm thinking of PVC patches, you know, that we could pass out. Yeah. At I all was the, trying uh, to keep it positive. But all the fancy events we get invited to. It's true, yeah. Oh! I have to tell you something. All right. True story. Before we get into all this, about how right we are, because we're always right. Um, I was at an event this weekend in Savannah, Georgia, and The Undertaker was there. You know who The Undertaker is? Sort of. The Undertaker is famous. Hang on a second. Yes, sir. It's me. Yes, sir. This is not Stump sitting across. Oh, hey, Patrick. My bad, man. Ah, man. I was hoping my... So, uh, I have a vague understanding of who he is, meaning... He's a wrestler. Yes. And that's what I know. Do you, do you have any memories of his wrestling? Like a famous memory of, uh, or a famous memory, just something that sticks with you about something he did, and you go, oh, yeah, man, I'm, yeah, this is what I remember of him? I would have had to have watched him. Okay. To have a memory. I got it. Oh, so what you're saying is you know of him, but you don't know anything about him. Correct. All right, so... Let me make sure, just for historical accuracy, because I don't want Stump coming in here See, it's and like yelling at me. I was talking about you and Stump, how you guys can talk about your poker stuff, and you're like speaking Spanish to each other with all these code words and different yes. lingo, mm -hmm. and I don't really know what any of that stuff means because I don't right. play cards. Right. Wrestling, kind of the same thing. Okay. I almost put it. I, I almost put it in the same boat as like. Poker or darts. Like, not real sports. So, anyway, 
me tell you something. I told the story on this podcast a couple weeks ago about traveling to Memphis with the crazy girl. Oh, yeah. I doubt she's crazy anymore. I'm sure we, we, I'm not the same guy I was then, so it's not nice to call her the crazy girl, and it's certainly not accurate. Uh, she was a nice girl in many ways. Anyway, uh, but, but we had like a crazy fight is what I'm saying while we were in Memphis, and I was there with aspirations to be a professional poker player. My parents thought I was crazy. Do you remember me telling you this? Yes. Well, you told Stump. But I told I did, Stump. But I didn't hear it. Yes. Sorry. Uh, you're all the same. Just uh, color commentary. Absolutely. I'm the real star. <laughs> uh, I, I go to a birthday party this weekend, and my mom's like, hey, did, did you hear about your nephew? And I go, no. She's like, yeah, he's been playing a whole bunch of poker there. He doesn't live here where we are. He lives in a different state. And she goes, he's been playing a whole bunch of poker down at the casino there in town. He's getting really good. He's making money. And, uh, boy, we couldn't be more proud. Because, <laughs> you know, it's her grandson. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember my wife, legitimately, my wife was like, Chris just was saying the other day about how he wanted to be a poker player, and you were like, no. And she goes, oh, that's true. So, <laughs> proves the point. Anyway, so I'm at this event. The Undertaker is there, and we're shooting guns together, okay? The Undertaker, just so you know, this is what he's famous for. Uh, they had something called the Hell in a Cell match, where the Undertaker fought a guy named Mankind, Legal name, Mick Foley. And if you ever want to see, like, when wrestling was real raw wrestling, watch that match. Because what happened was they lowered a huge cage down onto the the ring. And Mankind and Undertaker go on top of the cage. And not only does the Undertaker throw Mankind off this, like, 20-foot-high cage onto a table, but he then choke slams him onto the cage up top. And it gave way, and Mankind fell 20 feet onto his back in the middle of the cell. Not scripted, not planned, was not supposed to happen. In all their rehearsals, they talk about the fencing of the top had held him, and it gave that time, and down he goes. Um, In fact, there's an interview with The Undertaker, where he says he did not expect Mick Foley, Mankind, uh, to get up from that fall. Um, Really incredible footage to go watch. Got it? I got it. The Undertaker is shooting a gun next to me, and we're chit-chatting a little bit. Were you like, why'd you push that guy? (laughs) Why'd you do that, dude? And That's just, not cool. And then he just turns you and plugs you in the stomach with a nine millimeter. <laughs> this is true. What actually happened was that my well, let me finish this part of the story. I noticed that the Undertaker has a cut on his finger about the size of say one sixteenth of an inch, but it's bleeding. And I say to him, "Ooh, you okay?" And he looks at me, and I look at him, and I go, well, considering who I just asked, I realize now it's a dumb thing to say. (laughs) And he comes chuckled. And he goes, yeah, I'm all right, man. I said, all right. Well, I'm an idiot. Have a nice day. Before he walks away from us, my boss is standing there, and she says to him, she says to me, well, she asks him, can I get a picture with you? 
And because she's a proper redneck, she knows who he is, unlike you. Okay. Uh, actually, no, I would have never expected that she knew who he was, but she did. And uh, he goes, "Of course." And I say, "He was he was known for a choke slam. It had a move of some uh, a name of some sort for his move. But he'd pick people up by the throat, and they would put both hands on his wrist, and he would slam them down." So she says to me, "Do you mind taking the picture?" And I say, only if he's going to grab you by the throat. <laughs> and he looks at me with like a very stern look. Like, that's not funny to joke about that. And she says, you can't talk to me like that. I'm your boss. And I said, you're my boss. And that's why I want that to be the picture. Because then I'll have something to hang in my office. <laughs> I can look at it. when you make dumb requests of me. And, uh, and that was that. But anyway, so shows who I am that I asked The Undertaker... If that little nick on his finger, if he, you gonna be okay? He's your undertaker, need a band-aid? Uh, and he, he literally laughed at me. So that was a good time. Okay. Hey, I missed that. Now, you would have liked him. He's a really nice guy. And he's out there. He's raising a ton of money uh, for uh, a charity that builds homes for veterans. And uh, I won't say any more than that. But uh, he he's very nondescript. Like, he doesn't go around going, hey, I'm the undertaker. But it's hard to deny who he is. You know? I probably wouldn't recognize him. And then you would tell me, and hey, that's the Undertaker. Right. Like, kind of give me the nudge. Yeah. And then I'd probably have to walk up to him and go like, hey, man, it's like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt. The dude is like seven feet tall, broad as it gets. You would know he's probably a water polo player. Yeah. Like, that would be your first thought. Hey, uh, I, look, Mr. Taker. Tell me if this is true or not, but um, my friend Chris over there said that you were a professional athlete, and he'd be like, well, yeah, it's, that is a fact, and I'd be like, so, like, like, you can support yourself playing badminton? <laughs> and then he just kills me right there. That, just, that's about right. That's about right. He, he climbs, like, whatever the closest structure is and throws me off of it. Yes. Yes. I can't wait to meet him. Now, I like that you think that's the way it would go because what would really happen is you and I would start to approach him and within earshot, I would grab you and I'd look at you and I'd go, listen to me, it's not fake and don't insult him by saying it is. <laughs> yeah. And then I would turn and go, hello. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> let's... Uh, Let's talk Anthony Fauci. Fauci is uh, really, he's an aspiring Hitler. Uh, The the unvaccinated are the Jews. And he is the guy with the gas chamber. Listen to this. You have got to look at it and say there comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual right of making your own decision for the greater good of society. There's no doubt that that's the case. So, in case, in case you missed it, there's no doubt that at some point you're going to have to give up your individual freedoms for the greater good of society. That's Fauci after delivering a lecture via live stream at McGill University, according to TheBlaze.com, which is located in what country? Patrick, guess. Uh, go with our charity of choice and guess. I'm going to go with that terrible neighbor to the north of ours. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Fauci. I'm going to blame Canada. He's fielding several questions, uh, and one asked Fauci how to approach the value of individual freedom within the context of the global pandemic. And and that's the way he said it. Now, uh, he mocks Fox News and Breitbart in the beginning of it. He says he knows they'll take his words out of context and say that it was some sort of uh, radical leftist ideology he's spewing. And that's exactly what it is, a radical leftist ideology where the individual sacrifices. Because we talked about this recently. He's just paraphrasing the Communist Manifesto, right? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that can be taken out of context. I mean, legitimately, try to be fair, try to be objective here. Right. If we're saying we should all forfeit our individual liberties. What's another name, another time in history where that's been a necessity. Sure. We didn't have Katrina. Okay. Remember that they sure. started taking everybody's guns. Uh, yeah. Wait, do you mean, wait, all right. Are you being facetious? No, no. I'm, are you saying when, when has the government actually done it and it didn't work out right? No, so when we needed the greater good. Right. So I don't know. Let's say world war two. Right. And people had to make personal sacrifices. Mm-hmm. They made them based on their own personal beliefs and and, right. and their their outlook on the world versus someone in government telling them, "Well, no, you know, you have to ration rubber or whatever else." Right. Okay, so I can't think of a time in my head where we've had. Um, an emergency where people couldn't use their good common sense to help us work our way out of it. Right. But here we are being forced for this narrative that there is no other way out of it other than to relinquish what are your personal rights. Mm-hmm. It's very bizarre to me. Well, isn't it funny that that's exactly why they just arrested Pastor Artur? Pastor Art, as they call him. Right. Because he refused to do that very thing. He didn't give up his individual liberties for the sake of the greater good. And Canada now says, that's a prisonable offense. We'll arrest you and throw you away for that. And there he is. It's not like Mao (laughs) ever told the Chinese people, tell you what. Well, actually, it probably is that Mao told the (laughs) the Chinese people, tell you what. If you just don't badmouth me, I'll give you all the rice and bread you can eat. And then he starved umpteen million people to death. Sure. Right? That's the way this goes. And only the willingly ignorant believe that for some reason this time they'll get it right. Because Fauci's a likable guy. He's all over YouTube. He's all over Facebook. No problem. And now we see for what he really is. I think it begs the question as to what it is he actually does because... As much time as he spends in front of a camera, I don't know how he could possibly be running the organization. Oh, I know. I know what he does. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, go ahead. Tell me. He funds gain-of-research functioning at Wuhan laboratories on the coronavirus. No, he he said he didn't do that. Right, but that's a lie. But no, no, but he said he Mm -hmm. didn't do that. Right. It's as if my boss showed up tomorrow in my office and said, Chris, all you do is watch YouTube videos all day. And I would go, no. I've never spent an entire day watching YouTube videos. He would go, Chris, it's all you do all day. And I'd say, boss, listen, that is not all I do all day. I, there's never been a day where that's all I've done. There's never been a day where that's all I've done. And then my boss would have to say, okay, and you watch Instagram reels. And I'd go, damn. 
got me. He got me. Got me on a technicality, boss. That's kind of what he was doing with gain of function research. Yeah, we, we don't really fund that. Right, but you funded the organization that did fund it. <laughs> on a technicality, I must admit. And videos of him and other prominent people at the NIH admitting as such in 2017. It's all out at, there. At lectures. It's all out there. And we have said it for how long now? Fauci, all he is is a power-hungry miscreant. He's a despot that all he wants is power, 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 fame, fame, fame. Nobody is, like, you don't go on YouTube and say all this nonsense that contradicts itself, knowing you're contradicting yourself because you believe, like, uh, what's, what's the, because you're being altruistic. Yeah. Right? Like, there's some sort of um, egomaniacal end to that type of behavior. I was going to say, it's, it's like a supreme narcissistic tendency. But it's also about the money. This is the highest paid federal employee in the country. No, Not even the president, right, makes more than Fauci does. And now... Doesn't that seem a little odd? Yes. I mean, don't... So who is his boss if he's the president of the NIH? Right. Is that appointed by the president? Yes, I think he serves because Trump fired him, right? Ah. And then Biden said, no, he's going to stay on. Oh, maybe so. I think he serves at the leisure of the president. Most federal uh, heads yeah. like that do, but yeah, I'd have to look it up. I would think then that there would be some sort of stipulation in place when it comes to salaries. The president being the commander-in-chief and all that jazz would be at least a little bit above everybody else underneath him. Right. Seems a little slanted. Except for Millie. Millie deserves to make more. Well, yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of usurping to do. Yeah, he's, Well, he's got to look out for um, Hunter and the big guy. Fair. With his buddies. I mean. Over there. You know, the other guys. You know, the ones. He's got their phone number. You can't really seize control of the military with an empty bank account. Got some I people mean, to pay. I mean, you could try. Probably would be very successful. Fair. So anyway, the head of, how do you pronounce this, Patrick? Uh, BioNTech, is that right? B, so it's like, it's capital B, little I, little O, capital N, capital T, little E, little C, little H. By, so it looks like this. By on tech. Oh, wait, that's not right. That last part's not right. BioNTech? BioNTech? It doesn't matter. I don't know. BioNTech, BioNTech. Uh, along with Pfizer, they developed one of the most common COVID-19 vaccines in the world, according to the Epoch Times. Uh, the, <laughs> the head of the organization now says that new vaccines will be necessary by 2022 to combat the, quote, next generation of COVID-19 variants. Their chief executive officer, you're going to love this name, Uger Sahin, nothing conspiratorial in any of that, told the Financial Times that the new strains of the CCP virus will be aimed at the Jews. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he said the new strains... <laughs> <laughs> the new strains... <laughs> uh, they'll be distributed in uh, bars of stone. The new strains of the CCP virus, which causes... I'm back to the reality here. Uh, which causes COVID-19 will likely be able to evade vaccines. Well, isn't that convenient? 
He says, quote, we have no reason to assume that the next generation virus will be easier to handle for the immune system than the existing generation. Think about that line for just a second. We have no reason to assume that the next generation virus will be easier to handle for the immune system than the existing generation of the virus. Patrick, real quick, what are the chances somebody with COVID will be required to be hospitalized? From uh, between zero and 100%. Would you like some, some options? Sure. Zero. Okay. One to 5%. Six to 10%. 11 to 19%. I'll go one to five. Let me finish, please. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Jeez. I didn't know there was more <laughs> options. 20 to, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be relevant. 20 to 49% or 50% and up. Now, Patrick, now that you've had time to think about it, I'm actually only unhappy that you got it right so fast. Oh, sorry. It is one to 5%. Do you want me to, you want me to pick yeah. 50% this time? Will that make you feel better? If, listen to me. If you were to per, per, to pick 50% and up, you would be in line with the Franklin Templeton Gallup poll that was released in March of this year, six full months ago. All right. Six and a half, really. That showed that Democrats, by a margin of four to one, really, thought people who got COVID were likely to be hospitalized. 41% of them said your chances of being hospitalized if you get COVID are 50% up. When in reality, the correct answer is one to 5%. Now, where would they get an idea like that? (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. Where in the world did they come up with that? How long have we been saying Turn off the news, get off of social media, go outside. Do you remember when we developed the mantra of, do you believe what you see or are you believing what you're being shown? Do you remember us talking about that? I do. And how we really tried to nail that down and answer that question of, you have to choose to believe what you're seeing. It's not a cognitive distortion to look around your life and go, well, that person got COVID and died. But that person, that person, that person, that person, that person, and that person all got COVID and were fine, including the elderly and infirmed. There's nothing wrong with drawing that conclusion. There's nothing wrong with being a free person. I mean, time is running short. When asked to estimate how often COVID patients have to be hospitalized, Democratic voters, 69% of the time, said 20% or greater. Whereas Republican voters, only 53% of the time, said 20% or greater. Democrats only answered correctly 10% of the time, while Republican and independent voters combined had a greater than 4 to 1 margin at 46% of the time, answering it correctly. 26% of Republicans and 20% of independents. So twice as many Republicans... And twice as many independents knew well before Democrats did that the correct answer is 1% to 5% of the time. 
And by the way, that's not death. That's going to the hospital. All right? Now, if the hospital wants me to believe that 100% of the people that enter there die, then shame on them. But I don't believe they do. I haven't measured the exact numbers. But let's just suppose it's half. Let's say half of the people that go to the hospital die. That means at the high end of 5%, which is, again, 1% to 5%, you're only talking 2.5% of people that get COVID die from it, Mm -hmm. which means your odds of surviving are 97.5%, which means, by the way, that if you get COVID, 97.5% of the time, you'll develop natural immunity, and we now know that those antibodies last longer than the vaccine itself. What are we doing? Now, God forbid you do get COVID and die because point number three of why we're always right is Jessica Berg-Wilson. This is a very sad point to have to make, but it's a point nonetheless. Jessica Berg-Wilson, her family, and this is not going to be a surprise, but boy, it should make us all very, very angry because what day and age are we living in where Newsweek is running the articles that prove our point. Now, Newsweek is using language that downplays what happened. So shame on Newsweek. But here's the gist of it from Newsweek. That's shocking because they've always been so straight down the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Remember what we just said, by the way. 2.5% likely to die of COVID, assuming... On the high end. Half of the people that go to the hospital die... And assuming it's the high end of 5%, when really it's between 1% to 5%. The actual death rate from COVID, I think, is less than 1%, right? Is that right? It's like 0.0 something. something it's like crazy that. low. You're so unlikely. I'm going to tell you this. You are so unlikely to die from COVID that I find it shameful that even people like Ben Shapiro are saying you have to get the vaccine so you don't die. That bothers me because there is evidence that the vaccine will kill you. You can flip the coin either way you choose, except that in this in this example, you actually get to choose which side of the coin you land on, unvaccinated or vaccinated. There's so many problems with the vaccines, and you can't sue anybody if something goes wrong. I would choose natural immunity. I would choose don't shove aborted babies into my body. There's so many reasons not to do the vaccine. It's unfair to act like your life is in the balance if you don't get the vaccine. Because even according to Newsweek, you will die from the vaccine. There's a chance you will die from the vaccine. Okay? Even bigger problem, in my opinion, uh, you know, than death, is having your memory erased. Right? Like they say, men don't die until they're forgotten. People don't die until they're forgotten. Twitter would like for you to be forgotten if you should die from the COVID vaccines. According to Newsweek, Twitter marked an obituary shared on the platform as misleading because it attributed a woman's death to blood clots caused by the COVID-19 vaccine she received only due to state mandates. Numerous users complained about the post receiving the fact check label, which also included information on why health officials considered COVID-19 vaccines safe for most people. The label was removed a couple days later. The tweet that received the censor mark included an online obituary published in the Oregonian for 37-year-old Jessica Berg Wilson, a Seattle mother of two who died on September 7th. The article attributed her death. I love how they call it an article. It's her obituary written 
by her family about why she died. Her family explained that her death was due to, quote, COVID-19 vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia, which is a blood disorder that occurs in people who receive the vaccine, some people. Now, Newsweek wants to say it has occurred in a very few instances following the vaccine being administered. My friend, 2.5% is very few instances, right? So why is the reports on COVID deaths not very few people have died from COVID? Very few people have died. It's 2.5%. And that's just us spitballing based on very conservative estimates. We're favoring death in our unscientific estimate. We're still only at 2.5%. The family, in their obituary that they wrote with the facts, says that uh, during the last weeks of her life, the world turned dark with heavy-handed vaccine mandates. Local and state governments were determined to strip away her right to consult her wisdom and enjoy her freedom. She had been vehemently opposed to taking the vaccine, knowing she was in good health and young and thus not at risk for serious illness. In her mind, the known and unknown risks of the unproven vaccine were more of a threat. But slowly, day by day, her freedom uh, to choose was stripped away. Her passion to be actively involved in her children's education, which included being a room mom, was once again blocked by government mandate. Ultimately, those who closed doors and separated mothers from their children prevailed. It cost Jessica her life. It cost her children the loving embrace of their caring mother. And it cost her husband the sacred love of his devoted wife. It cost God's kingdom on earth a very special soul who was just making her love felt in the hearts of so many. Jessica Berg Wilson, 1983 to 2021, killed by the COVID vaccines, and her family is without recourse because the American government said there's nothing you can do. They rush these things out. You have to take it in certain states if you want to maintain. Folks, I mean, not a joke to me at this point, right? You pull your kids out of the public schools. You don't shove aborted babies into them. You avoid this thing at all costs. And and more than like a safety reason, which obviously there's reasons to be concerned about it for safety reasons, but this is now a matter of principle, a matter of just devastating principle. How far can we go where we say to ourselves, as Fauci said in the beginning, you know what we're willing to do? We're willing to give up our individual right to choice and freedom uh, for the sake of, in his words, the greater good, or just for the sake of what I think is mainly virtue signaling. Again, 2.5% at the very, very, very high end that you die from COVID. Never, never forget, my 80-something grandmother with stage 4 Parkinson's got COVID and kicked it within a week. However, family friend in his 60s gets COVID, has a heart attack, heart attack kills him. Did COVID kill him? No, the heart attack killed him. Did COVID cause the heart attack? No way to know. No way to really know. But the point is, it could go either way. But he was part of the 2.5%. Nana is a part of that 97.5%. So it makes you wonder how far we're willing to go. A Vermont woman has been fired and denied unemployment for refusing vaccines. So she became homeless and went to Florida. Did you see that? I missed that one. Karen, 
KC, she's called, is a single mother of two children, Zachary and Colby. Uh, she was living in Vermont. She applied for a job at J.K. Adams and makers of kitchen cutting boards and serving trays. Uh, she was hired before Thanksgiving, having survived a physically abusive marriage in stage four endometriosis, which required multiple surgeries and left her unable to work. Uh, this was my first job after 10 years, she told the Epoch Times. As a mother of two, going back into the workforce after a horrible illness was a big deal. I was going through a divorce. This was a huge step. My marriage was extremely abusive. It took a long time for me to get over all that. She lost. Uh, she loved a new job, said the company was large enough to where there was a good number of people, but still small enough where you had the sense of a family. Um, she earned a new raise, blah, 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 blah. But Vermont is a solid blue state. And as an employee of J.K. Adams, she describes how she was required to answer health questions every morning before being allowed to enter the factory. Once inside, she said someone who is not qualified would take her temperature with a thermometer. Some days I was told my temperature was like 94 degrees, and I would look at them and say, you know that's hypothermia, right? And they'd say, no, that's okay. You're all right. It was all smoke and mirrors, according to her. <laughs> uh, anyway, she uh, chose to wear a neck gaiter form of mask as the thin cloth was less restrictive on her breathing when she entered the factory. On and on it goes, all these details, and... Uh, she was fired. She says uh, she believes it was her support of conservative principles and not her vaccination status that ultimately led to her termination. As it turns out, she's been assaulted after attending a Vermont Liberty rally held at the Vermont State House on May 15th after having been struck twice in the face with an open hand and again with a folded political sign and then pepper sprayed in the eyes. I wonder who showed up at that. She's probably having a rough go of it. Yeah, probably those anti-fascist fascists. Anyway... Uh, yeah, she's moved on down to Florida. I'm sure DeSantis will find a place for her in the uh, state government and put her to work. And good for her. I do want to point one thing out. Because all that is to say, it, certain states are losing grip. And it makes you wonder how far we're going to let it go. I think we're getting really, really good now to where everybody's going out and saying we're not going to do this. Right, like we saw anti-vax requirement protests in New York. Uh, we're really seeing a breakout. Chicago, I think, had the other one. Um, so, lest I forget, as mad as we can be at Fauci, so those those are the three reasons, by the way, as to why we've been right for the last year. Uh, Fauci has now admitted. He's an aspiring dictator that he believes people should give up their individual freedoms uh, for the sake of protecting people from COVID. He's also the one perpetuating the myth of COVID with his friends in the media because it's all about the massive amounts of money they're making. We have the CEO of BioNTech saying you're going to need a new vaccine every year to protect from whatever variant shows up that year. And now we have big tech erasing the memory of those who die from the vaccines. But Fauci did something pretty incredible. He wanted to shame those of us who are opposed to the vaccine. And while doing it, he made the most pro-life argument you'll ever hear Fauci make. Listen to this. And, you know, I think when people realized, well, it's my body. If I don't, if I get infected, I don't really care because I'm a young person. And I likely, and they're correct. That's the point. They're correct. It is likely if I'm a young, healthy person, that I'm not going to have a serious outcome. But right. what sometimes gets blocked uh -huh. with blinders is that you could get infected, yes. get no symptoms okay. or mild symptoms, 
and inadvertently and innocently pass it on to someone else that will kill them. I mean, that will kill them. And I think we've really got to get people to understand that. Okay. Let's do it again. Listen, listen to this. And, you know, I think when people realize, well, it's my body. Mm -hmm. If I don't, if I get infected, I don't really care because I'm a young person. Right. And I likely, and they're correct. That's the point. They're correct. Uh It is likely if I'm a young, healthy person, young and healthy. that I'm not going to have a serious outcome. It won't be a big deal. But if I get what pregnant. sometimes gets blocked, what gets blocked with that. blinders is mm-hmm. that you could get infected, pregnant. You get, get no pregnant. symptoms mm-hmm. or mild symptoms, right. and inadvertently you have an abortion. and innocently you have an abortion. pass it on to someone else yep. Yep. that will kill them. Oh. I mean, that will kill them. And I think we've really got to get people to understand that. Yes, that abortion kills innocent babies. Isn't that strange? Like, it's from the from the party that elected the president, who was the sole dissenting vote against a bill that was going to require doctors to save breathing babies who survived abortions. That's what the Born Alive Infant Protection Act was. That Barack Obama, as a state senator, voted against. It passed. It became law. He was the only one to vote against it. And it had to be a law because doctors in Chicago and in the state of Illinois were performing abortions on women. The babies were surviving. And Jill Stanick gave testimony and said, listen to me. These babies are born. And we're allowing them to sit in water closets wrapped in rags, and we wait for them to stop breathing. Literally, we watch them suffocate to death. We must do something about this. Every other of the 150-something state legislators in the state of Illinois, everyone else in good conscience said, yes, that's correct. We need a law to protect those babies because they've been born alive And they deserve protection. And Barack Obama said, absolutely not. Don't do that. The repercussions are far too great. And people voted for him who claim to be people of faith, who believe that life begins at conception. And they voted for a monster like that. And now the remnants of his party have grown so radical and so extreme. And they're willing to say to us, those babies shouldn't be saved, as our great leader Obama said. Ten minutes ago, you should, you should still have the right, 10 minutes before it pops out of the canal, to dismember it, sell its body parts, and live in good conscience that you did nothing wrong. That's what they believe. People who support Barack Obama believe that. And now they want to say to, to people like you and I, you're young, you're healthy, but get the vaccine because you might infect somebody, and there's a 2.5% chance that if they have three other Terrible issues already wrong with them. They'll die from it. Un, it's unfathomable how stupid these people really are. Well, help me understand it since you agree with them. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that the president that we have now, whom you voted for, yes, I, I assume because, sixteen times because, apparently. Yeah, because he got eighty-one million votes uh, in the it, state of Georgia, where I don't it, live. Correct is a, a Catholic who believes in a abortion. Right. So I have a little trouble reconciling that. And I have more trouble with the fact that 
he can't reconcile it. Um, you know, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how we got here. Right. Um, and none of it makes a ton of sense to me. It's like you're living in a bizarro world. It kind of is. As but doesn't we, everything feel like that right now? I was just talking to a guy again this week, and I was echoing something you and I have talked about before. I said, we used to kind of operate with this assumption that politicians said things to get elected, and then they didn't follow through on them because they knew how absurd those things were. And we're now having this strange awakening where we're realizing, wait a second, these people actually believe this. Well, do they, or kind of to your point a second ago, or do they just think we're going to repeat this enough because people are so stupid, they will believe it. Yeah, maybe. Because I feel like that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. I can't get Saki out of my head saying that it would be immoral for companies to raise prices after they raise taxes on those companies. And that's just an example of them believing that what they, like, we'll tax the wealthy. You know what they're doing now? Uh, this bill, the price tag is zero. The yeah. price tag, like, that, they really believe that our wages won't stagnate or go down and that the prices of goods won't increase. We're going to lose money. We're going to lose money big time. And we've been here not so long ago. It's the craziest thing. Although I did hear actually what I think is a comforting fact, though it doesn't sound comforting, is that what this is indicative of is the fact that the left knows they're going to lose so bad in the midterms. They're going to lose everything. They're going to lose yeah. the House. They're going to lose the Senate. They'll have no power, no authority. They'll have no sway to do anything that they're really angered embittered and they're working as hard as they can to shove everything through right now because they'll have no control very, very soon. So yeah. that's good. That's, that's positive. Well, I think that's, so that's one of the funny things about our political system and, and the fact that we do operate on this two party system is that the Democrats will do that. They will try to jam everything they can through as quick as, as humanly possible. So they're going to try to get all that they can done you know, the coin flips over and you have uh, Republican held, you know, House, Senate, and White House, and not a lot gets done. <laughs> right. Nothing. Nothing. So it, a lot of posturing when the Democrats are in charge and then conservatives, once they have the power to actually affect some change or put some safeguards in place so that. The Democrats, when they get power again, don't just go, you know, silly with it. Yeah. They don't do that. They don't really do anything, it seems. You know, I'll say this as we wrap up. I met an immigrant woman this week who moved to America uh, from the West Indies. And she said when she was a kid, and she was probably 10 to 15 years older than me, uh, when she was a kid, they would vacation to Venezuela. And she said, anybody who thinks that this country should be even remotely what Venezuela is now. Because, again, she remembered way, she, before the 80s, 
they would vacation there. And then into the 80s, they vacationed there. And she said they had to stop. She said, anybody who thinks we should follow the course of Venezuela needs to leave this country and go to Venezuela. That's the problem. And again, from a minority immigrant woman who understands the path we're on, this big government seizing control of industry ideas of the AOCs and the Ilhan Omars of the world uh, and and this um, punish America for who we were mentality based, by the way, on a false notion of who we were. Their premise of who we were is wrong in the first place, and they want to punish us for that. All right, anyway, let's do our vota, and then we'll move along because uh, it ties into this. I'm an ambitious officer. One vota. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. Ah, man, this is a good one, my friend. North Carolina in Johnston County School Board has unanimously approved an amended code of ethics policy that will dismiss any teacher who teaches that America and its founders are racist. CRT, critical race theory, not specifically mentioned in the changes, but it did target key ideas aligning with quasi-Marxist ideology, including claims that U.S. laws and institutions are built upon racial oppression and that racism is deeply embedded in the nation and that racist views are considered normal throughout aspects of society. Isn't that awesome? So it's like uh, a vota, but the opposite of a vota? I don't know what you call that. But um, I'll say this. Anybody opposed to that idea is our voter of the week. Fair enough? Yeah, I like that. That story makes you feel good. Something something new and different at the end of the show for you? Kind of want to move to Johnston County and get on their school board and just wear a white wig. (laughs) All right, we'll come back next week and we'll do it all over again. Uh, We're trying to get Stump back. Stump, where are you? Uh... But we didn't get to it this week. But next week, uh, we will sit down and solve all the world's problems. This week, we just want to tell you why we were right. And you are too, my friend. I promise. That's it for number 160 of the Felt Recall Podcast.